The Conversation Collective. You're listening to The Conversation Collective. The podcast shifting perspectives on young women's well-being. Proudly created by young women and brought to you by the Shift Foundation. Hi, my name is Greer. Hello, I'm Tiki. Me and Greer both work for the Shift Foundation here in Wellington, Aotearoa, New Zealand. And we've been working with a group of six incredible young women who have created and recorded this podcast. The young women working behind the scenes are Kate, Eleanor, Yolena, Celinda, Caitlin and Polly. And throughout this series, each one of them will be sharing some amazing conversations with you. The Conversation Collective team will be talking to inspiring guests from around the world, all of whom have previously represented their country at Empower Women Through Sport, an initiative that is part of the Global Sports Mentoring Programme, over in the United States. These women will tell us their amazing stories, speak about the work they're doing to empower women and girls and share their insights of the impact of COVID-19 where they live. So if you're just joining us and you haven't listened to the first series of The Conversation Collective, make sure to go back and check it out. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify or on our website, www.shiftnz.org forward slash podcast where you will also find accessible transcripts of every episode. All right, Team Agria, where can our listeners find us on social media? Well, to stay up to date with all things Convo Co, you can follow us at the underscore conversation underscore collective on Instagram. Find out more about the Shift Foundation on our website, shiftnz.org, and on Instagram at shiftfoundationnz. Sweet ads, and now on to the episode. Hello, listeners. Welcome back. Today, I'm here to introduce you to the young woman who is hosting this particular episode and interview. Kate is 19 years old and living in Wellington City here in New Zealand. She moved here from Canterbury in the South Island to study science communication at Victoria University. Kate is super passionate about so many social justice issues and she brings so much incredible energy to all of our meetings and she's here to have an amazing conversation today. So kia ora Kate. Hello Tiki, thank you for those kind words, <laughs> much appreciated. Um, how are you feeling about this Kate? Are you feeling nervous? A little bit, yes. I haven't had a lot of brain space to think about it this last week and then suddenly it was five minutes before the Zoom and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that's the best way, isn't it? Just jump mm-hmm. straight into it. Exactly. For our listeners, can I just ask you, have you ever interviewed anybody before? Uh, no, I don't. Nothing's coming to mind. Maybe like unofficially, but not in like like a podcasty way. Like in a, like a, this feels very official. I think it's just nice to, for for the young other young women who are listening to know that um, that you guys are all just you know completely ordinary, normal young women. You don't have a secret degree in journalism, <laughs> and that they could also make a podcast and jump on and interview people. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, cool. All yeah. right. I'm going to turn off my mic and disappear into the background and it's going to be over to you, Kate. Are you ready? So ready. Take it away. So today I will be talking to Carole Ponchon from France. She has had a varied career promoting sport and making it more accessible, which was influenced by her experiences growing up as a girl playing football. She is the founder of Be Active and she is currently working part-time on a project for the French Federation of Sport Enterprises called SWING. 
This is a three year long project aimed at getting more women elected in decision making positions in European sport organizations. Hello, Carol. Hi, Kate. Hi, everyone. And every <laughs> sorry, I'm as excited as you are. <laughs> and it's also very early for me. So I'm mixing up the words. But just to say I'm excited to be here. And um, just like you, I'm not a professional for podcast neither, but happy to speak to you and to all the listeners everywhere in the world and in New Zealand. Yes, it is awesome to have you here. I guess firstly, well, it is quite early in the morning for you but how are you doing where are you where are you standing this morning i'm doing well uh, as i mentioned exciting and excitement is definitely the energy that i feel right now so i'm trying to get grounded to be 100 with you awesome glad you're on the same page with that <laughs> so we have a question that we are going to ask all of our guests as a kind of opener so the question is, what is the most empowering piece of advice that you have been given? Wow, there are so many that are coming to my mind. Um, actually, maybe the first one would be that leadership and therefore empowerment, because empowerment is self-centered leadership from my perspective, comes in different uh, in different way. And you don't have to be the most charismatic person on stage to be a leader. Um, so that was a very powerful um, advice I got. It took me many years to really get into my mind, mm -hmm. but that's very um, empowering to me to remember that we all come in different shape and we all can be leaders for someone. I love that so much. I feel like that really sets the tone for what we're going to be talking about today. So I guess uh, segueing smoothly right into it, um, would you be able to summarize what the SWING project is all about and what your role in this project is? I'll do my best. And <laughs> if it's unclear, feel free to ask. <laughs> so actually, um, SWING came as um, a recognition that we are lacking diversity in the governance of sport organization. And it's um, a collaborative experience a collaborative project that aims at, at tackling these issues it's co-funded by the european union so we are lucky to get public support for this project we have 10 partners officially around the table from different backgrounds and um, basically we're actually building on the concept of empowerment and in whatever forms it comes to address these issues of the lack of diversity in the governance of sport very briefly, we can discuss a bit more about it. It's a three years project. Um, we are trying to assess the situation to build um, dialogue and bridges between the sector of sport and the sector of business. And um, we are developing all together a concept and we are piloting some part of it because obviously it's a very, I'm hesitating saying heavy topic. It is a hot topic more than a heavy topic and it, it, it requires a lot of work so we cannot address it in only three years three years might seems like very long and at the same time it's a very short period um, the aim is really that after these three years so ending in december 2021 we will have a good learnings of this pilot and knowing where to lead after that um, my role in it 
it was first of all to uh, write a project with a friend of mine that has a lot of um, experience on these issues of the lack of um, diversity. And after writing this project, we were successful in getting the application uh, funded. So now I'm leading the project and leading a project is also very wide. So that's why I'm, I'm loafing, trying to gathering my mind of what my role is. But basically it's, it's first of all managing it. So ensuring it's running to time and to budget and we're delivering what we um, committed to deliver. Uh, and beyond that, it's creating the community of mentor and mentees because one of the pilot of the swing project, the focus that we have is actually getting 20 mentees from everywhere in Europe that wants to be elected and supporting them through different um, scheme, one of them being mentoring program. So that's it. And the last part is the communication. So I've been building all the websites and the information being trying to be strategic in reaching out to people. So that's about it. <laughs> wow, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I really, I really like what you said about it being like a really like high level hot topic. Um, we interviewed um, one of the, the founders of Shift called uh, Fran, and she said something that I really connected with, which is that change is made when, you know, people are chipping away at it. And, you know, you said that it's a really high level thing that absolutely cannot be addressed in three years. But, you know, from what you've said, it sounds like you've got a pretty good handle on it. We're doing our best and we are putting um, high standards on ourselves because we all believe in what we are doing. And therefore, we also know that if not, no, it's never going to happen. And if not us putting more than 100% of energy into the project, um, then we will be left after this project with nothing but regret, something we just don't want. We, we don't know where we are heading, but we know where we don't want to head. That is the statu quo. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And absolutely agree that, you know, if not, if not now, then when, if not us, then who. So amazing to see that you're on board with that kind of thinking as well. Um, so when I was doing a little bit of, I guess, preliminary, like reading around for this episode, I came across a heap of articles about like why it's important to have women in decision making positions. And I was a little bit disappointed to see that a lot of the articles focused on ways in which women are inherently better leaders than men. Like a lot of the articles were just like women are better collaborators and better thinkers and better at this and that. And I'm like, oh, surely, surely that's not all there is. So the question I want to ask you is, why do you think that it is important to have women in decision making positions? Why is it that you're doing this project and doing it the work that you're doing? Yeah, I love your question and your way of thinking. Um, actually, that's. Uh, we are playing the same line here or on the same team. The thing is, we need to be critical as well of what is being said and what is the situation. And um, if you go back to what I was saying when I introduced actually SWING, which by the way means supporting women in achieving their goals. I forgot to mention it. Um, I never mentioned really women first. I was saying the problem is the lack of diversity. Um, and 
I, I just think it's important to mention it because yes, through the project, we have been taking the lens of women, but um, for example, one of the partner is focusing on uh, European, or sorry, on getting more youth into uh, the European sport organization. And it could have been um, getting more diversity in terms of um, social or economical or racial background, for example. So it's just one way of doing it, but the main problems that we want to address is the lack of diversity and coming to your question why it is important to address it and then therefore to maybe have more women. It's because I think we are living in a diverse society um, and we need to be on board all together to uh, try to understand each other first before being understood. That's what is leadership about. And if we don't bring more diversity, then the sector, the sports sector is just gonna die um, because we are not being able to adapt to what the society really wants. It's, we will always offer the same um, services if we are not bringing more diversity. So that's one first element of, of answer. Then no, women are not better than men. It's just all together that we can reach out to a third alternative or a third way. And, and I'm pretty sure there, there is always a third way of seeing it if we are able to bring in um, people discuss in a relatively respectful uh, manner. So that's why it is important to bring diversity and not only supporting women because we are women. Uh, it would not make sense. We also want to have women that as Heidi, that know uh, what they're talking about and um, that can hear others very well as well. So it's more about the leadership, whatever the gender, wherever you come from. I could say more, but I'm hoping it's kind of clear. But why it is important, it's simply to embrace um, the diversity that we have in society. And from diversity comes richness. Mm. So what I'm hearing is that there is a, a, a demand or even a need, I suppose, from these diverse communities out there who want to engage in sport in different ways, but because the current people in decision-making positions are not that diverse and then sport is not currently serving all of the people that it probably should serve. Is that, would that be right? Yeah. And it might, it might not be like, I'm not telling that those who are here are very bad and I've been doing bad things because it takes a lot of time and energy to be in the governing board of sport organization, which in Europe are volunteer persons. So you devote a lot of your time and you serve your community. It's more like the world is changing very fast and we need to hear from um, the, um, the wish and the aspiration of everyone around if we want to to evolve and to develop new uh, new offer and i guess that the current situation is also pressing for it like we were obviously uh, arguing this it's not our, our new positioning because of the covid crisis but it's more um a kind of a spotlight on what the future could be if we're not uh, strong enough and wise enough to bring different perspectives. Yeah, absolutely. We were talking in one of our the meetings that we had with the other girls how it was kind of, well, disappointing, but also like 
well, I was going to say surprising, but thinking about it, maybe it's not that surprising how as soon as the pandemic hit, then women's sports and like come kind of completely fell away. Whereas you had like on like the headlines, it was like the All Blacks are fighting for their right to go to Australia and the whole country was behind them and you didn't hear anything about the kind of more minor sports and the women's sports. So yeah, that's something that I guess the, the pandemic has really highlighted and like you said, shown us a vision of what could happen if we don't get more diversity. And I think it's also that at this stage, we cannot really imagine what it looks what it could look like. Um, and it's also very important that everyone gains something out of it. The idea is not to get women to voice women's needs, mm -hmm. which still is very important, but it's more again coming back to the idea of diversity to see what can come out of this mix um, altogether. Yeah, I really like that idea. So how has your experience kind of growing up as a girl in sport impacted your views? Because I, I read a little bit about how, you know, you had struggles with trying to get on the team as a girl and being told to like play like one of the boys. Has that impacted how you see your work today? Uh, it took me sometimes to really realize how much it impacted me, but um, I didn't really struggle to be on the team in the sense that I always felt welcome in the team or I didn't question myself in the team. It was more the other teams that were like, or the parents of the other team, uh, because we were playing in a mixed uh, football team. But uh, most of the time, like 99% of the team were, were only uh, boys playing because that's that was the reality at that time. Um, so it shaped me in the sense that I was there where I wanted to be. And I'm grateful for my parents to have always supported me in this journey. Um, uh, I'm smiling because I don't know what the seven years old Carol would, would answer about it. <laughs> just saying, I, I feel I belong there and that's all. And that would have been great anyway. But it's, it's good uh, with the perspective to realize that actually I've always struggled with, with where I belong as a, as a human being. And I guess, it's not I guess, I know I felt well and strong on the pitch because those questions were not there anymore in my mind. So it was not about the jersey that gave me some super power, etc. It was just, okay, you're here and you belong here and that's who you are. I was probably not able to put it into words, the whole experience of what is behind the, what is, uh, what is it it has given me. Um, I'm more articulate now that I've spent some time really thinking about it. But I knew I wanted to work in this field and to to give back. So yes, it has impacted me, um, but it's still a journey. And I think that's um, that's something also important. I wish at that time uh, someone would have told me, it's okay if you don't know where you're heading. Just listen to your guts, and that's that's enough. Uh, I am a brainy girl, <laughs> like I always thought it's your brain and your rational that should decide. But actually, actually, the peace, um, the peacefulness comes when you're able to let the dialogue between your body, your mind, your spirit, something that I've discovered just very recently. So just taking the advantage of speaking to a kind of younger audience to say it as well. Mm. Wise words, I think. 
and I guess that kind of links in to the idea of creating more diversity in decision-making positions and hearing more voices because, you know, seven-year-old Carol felt like she belonged on the football field. And I guess part of the mission, well, I would hope part of the mission is to create those spaces so that anyone can find their place in sport to feel like they belong. Yeah, I think it's in sport and in the world. And if sport can be a door to feel like you belong to this world, that's that's awesome. And it could be any other medium, but it's just that sport is very powerful. Um, it's mainly accessible everywhere on this planet in different form. So that's why I'm, I'm using this medium, but it could have been culture or a discussion or education. I think it all belongs to the same trends that we, we would like to get more hope in this world where people can find, um, yeah, can feel really in, in themselves that they belong here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I am admittedly not the sportiest person. And at the beginning of this podcast creation process, I was like, oh, oh goodness, how, how are we going to link this in? I don't have, I don't have a sport journey behind me. But, you know, like you said, it's, it's a, a concept that is applicable across so many things. And just because you're using the lens of sport for your mission to create diversity doesn't mean that it's only isolated to sport. Yeah. And I think um, just to to react on what you were saying, I, I would not de never define myself as very a sporty person, even if I, I had the experience and I love playing sport. And that's something very interesting, playing sport. Um, I think many of us, for different reasons, we forget about the playfulness of sport and we may tend to think that sport is competition or etc so when i anytime i'm speaking about sport it's actually any activity that make you feel maybe not good at first let's be honest <laughs> but that 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 makes you feel your body and in some kind of communication whether it's uh, conscious or not but between your brain your body and, and you can have fun i think that's the most important part of sport so coming back to the um, the kind of mission of the Swing Project, um, I guess we're talking about the importance of women being in decision-making positions. And my question is, you know, why aren't they there already? What barriers are women facing to being elected to these decision-making positions? If only I knew I would use my magic <laughs> But no, I mean, there is a lot of different reasons and I, I will mention few but I think it's also important to always come back to the individuality or because everyone has his own journey its own uh, development pace and um, some may not resonate with everyone and it's it's okay um, actually there is so we have conducted through the swing project a very intensive desk research at the beginning of the project because um, it's important to know where you're from which starting point you, you're basing your project. So what we did was um, trying to identify where are the women in sport. Um, and we did the same for the business sector, mainly in Europe, but the desk research was really widely uh, uh, displayed. And what we find out 
which actually, when you think about it, I'm pretty sure many of the reasons will you will just say, ah, yeah, I could have said them. So there is both internal and external barriers for women to take leadership position, and not only in sport, just in general in society. The internal are the fear or the guilt that they may feel. Um, we are think we tend to overthinking when we are uh, in a in a position or ask to get a, a position of leadership. And it's the case for many, many leaders that we have been interviewing. So women will tend to really think about it, what does it mean, etc. And men will just take it and then think about what is needed to take this position. And there is no wrong or bad in those way of thinking. It's just a kind of natural way between men and, and women. And the guilt can also be that um, you have so many other things to do that taking this position will also um, require you sometimes. And it's a choice that you're making and you're not doing other stuff. Basically, it could be about your family duties or etc. And then in terms of external barriers, we have um, simply the access and the transparency of the process and also the, um, the domestic support that you get. So it come, like it's, this one is kind of, is really linked to the guilt factor as well. Like if you don't have that much domestic support, it means really you're making a choice um, that you're doing less at home, for example. Uh, and it's also institutionalized, that's hard to say, institutionalized norms. So this is true for all the leadership position. And specific to sport is also the at least in Europe, the elective process, um, because uh, in the sp European sports system, sport leaders are elected and they are volunteer. The elective process may lack some transparency and it's also made in the way that um, it tends to support those who have already been involved or it's a kind of um, inner circle somehow. And the organizational culture, I guess it's everywhere in the world, like sport tends or has been invented by men um, mainly. And then there is this kind of normality that it's a kind of masculine culture and norms inside the organization. So again, it's kind of generic, but that's what we have been identifying as barrier. Yeah, I, it's really interesting what you said about the, um, the individual factors thing. Because I guess, you know, when you when you think of, you know, why aren't women in, you know, decision-making positions, you could jump straight to the, oh, it's just a boys' club. Oh, the men in power don't want to let the women have power, which I'm sure, you know, it does have, you know, an impact sometimes, but it could just potentially be those other factors that we don't even think of, like familial duties that she might have at home. Yeah, and it can be very, um, in a very pragmatic way, it could be that most of the meeting will be held, um, for example, from, again, everything has changed since this crisis, but uh, will be held physically in a club from 8 to 10 p.m. in the evening, for example. And then it can really clash with your family agenda. Or is there any opportunity that you can bring your child uh, to the meet? Or is there someone taking care of them? Or whatever? Like it's it's very similar to some of the issue you may have at work as well. So that's why I was saying that the you get the same kind of barriers in all sectors. Then there is some specificity to sport, but still you get 
the very similar barriers everywhere. Yeah, and there's, I guess, there's the issue of those who are already in the club, you know, they're not inherently bad people, but they just don't have the insight into why the missing voices are missing. Like, I guess if there's a bunch of guys sitting around the boardroom table, they're not going to be thinking about the facts that women aren't there because they have to look after their kids. And there's no woman there to tell them, can we please have a meeting at a different time? Because they're not able to get in because they're looking after their kids at the time meetings are. So I guess it's kind of a, a cycle. Circular problem. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely this. And it comes to the, it comes back to why we need some diversity to just hear the different perspective uh, and then find out from all these different perspectives what can be the path that we follow altogether that we would have never thought by ourselves. Um, and that would be a win-win for, for everyone. Hmm. Do you think that, well, what impact do you think COVID has had on these barriers? Do you, are you more of a pessimist and you think that it has kind of put these diverse groups on a complete back foot? Because we already know that COVID has had a, a huge inequitable effect on women and other minorities. Or are you kind of on the other optimistic side and you think that COVID is going to act as some kind of reset for people to kind of reshape their thinking and see what the future could be like? Um, my brain is running in different direction. If you would have asked me a year ago, <laughs> uh, I would have been a pessimistic person. Uh, I didn't transform myself in a positive way in, in just a minute, but... Uh, I've been working a lot and the COVID crisis uh, actually, it reinforced my commitment that I started beginning of this year to try to look at things differently. Um, so I think to answer the question, um, it has not been magic. We, we will still have people. And as you said, it definitely the situation is much harder right now for um, many minorities. We have been um, it differently and much harder for for those who are already uh, being um, less advantages or in society. But the thing is, I think it is a push for many of us who might have been for a long time, silent, like thinking, but being silent. So I only see two ways after <laughs> the COVID. Either as a society, we managed to change things or it just collapsed not because of covid crisis or etc but it just kind of an obvious illustration of where we are going with this current um way that we are thinking and and working and and consuming and all this stuff so there is a lot of topics in here but what i mean is that coming back to the intro point if not now then when and we don't have any more when after it like we need to act in many ways uh, right now. Yeah. And in that way, I'm optimistic that the silent person may become more of a, what is the word, voiceful, whatever, like they make their voice heard. <laughs> <laughs> more vocal, I think. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think hmm, I'm also in two minds about this because, you know, COVID has definitely you know, taken society by the ankles and given it a good shake upside down. Like it's, it, I don't think COVID is the cause of a lot of the problems that we're seeing, but I think it has exposed 
so many of the kind of underlying issues that people either weren't aware of or were pushing under the rug or were saying, it's fine, we'll deal with that like in a few years time. Yep. So I think it, it really exposed that and it's easy to be pessimistic about that because suddenly all of the cracks in our society are laid completely bare and we can see all of the ways in which we are failing so many groups of people. But I also agree with what you say that I think COVID has made a lot of people aware of these, which as you said is the the first the first barrier. So that's another something we don't need to overcome now. It took a lot of energy to, to bring a light uh, and to shed exposure on those problems. So uh, as hard as it is, let's at, at least say it with a smile, as hard as it is for everyone, um, at least it has saved us this energy that we may feel at the moment that we are all lacking because it's definitely not always and not um, every day easy to cope with all the the situation mentally, physically, etc. But in the midterm, it has saved us a lot of energy in terms of raising awareness. And we will see. I'm not saying that it has affected everyone this way. Definitely not. I, I can also say it's, it's definitely not the case. Yeah, and I, I definitely don't think that it's a good thing. Like the pandemic isn't a good thing, but I guess looking on the bright side, it has brought to light a lot of these issues. But I also, I do think we need to be careful with the look on the bright side, let's all move forward thinking because there are so many countries and so many groups that are still like in the grips of the pandemic and people are dying and all of the energy is focused on trying to stay alive and deal with it and keep their country afloat. So I think if we just completely like go ahead with our oh we're fine we're going to move into the future and create a new future if we do that then we're going to leave behind those people who don't have the energy for that at the moment i 100 agree with you uh, it's not about being the naive or um we have a word in french but i don't know it in english anyway the the word um, I'm looking for is someone that just look at the bright side, always the bright side, and will always have a smile, but meaning is also never facing uh, vulnerabilities and the one of, of the society. So it's definitely not this. Uh, I'm hoping we're coming back and stronger of the experience that we have had. Maybe not the whole society, but the few of us, we can make sure that we are not leaving anyone behind. It's not easy. It's uh, it's simple to say it and to see it, but it's not going to be easy. Definitely not. No, not at all. I don't think anyone has the answers there, but it is heartening to see that so many people are kind of chipping away at it. So to kind of, I guess, come to the conclusion of this conversation or the conclusion of like, what we've been talking about, about women in leadership, what other key changes do you think that need to be made in order to achieve equitable governance? And I know that this is like the whole thing you're working on, so you won't have all the answers right now. But what's, what's, it, what's it looking like at the moment? Um, but I think the key change needs to address the two barriers, the two type of barriers that I was mentioning before, both the internal and, and external. And um, this can only be done through activism. Uh, 
So stepping up for change, even if we feel like it's a heavy burden, all together we can make this burden um, uh, easier to, to carry on and well-developed, well-thought program. Uh, what I mean here is that no one will solve it alone and there is many layers to be addressed here. So it's going to take some time, definitely, but we, are, we have a momentum to size right now. And what we have been developing through the swing concepts that uh, obviously will take time to implement is that we have built on the empowerment dimension and the idea that empowerment can be two sides, power can change and power can expand. And I must say at this stage that actually those are words that has been written by some scholars that I can't remember the name, but I'm going to make sure you receive it so you can include it in your communication because I want to acknowledge the work of, of others. But yeah, so we are building on this idea that power can change. And basically uh, from this, we have developed two pillars that address this is nurturing the, the inner voice uh, or the inner coach of the woman, because we need to address those internal barriers. And it can only start from ourselves. So the self-centered um, leadership. And getting allies, whether there are men on board already in the sport organization, whether there are mentors from the business sectors that can sidetrack some, some ideas and some concepts. So uh, you're never alone in this process. And that's what leadership is about but we want to make sure that we're building this support system as well. And when it comes to power can expand, which might be the most difficult dimension here, um, it's the idea that it's a win-win. So it's not because we, you will get more women or more people with disability or young people that the white men on the board right now will lose anything. First, because if they look around them, they they probably have in their family or in their community those kind of persons as well. So they are connecting to it. But simply because it's not a zero-sum game, but it's a win-win. And the pillars here of the swing concept are definitely addressing the power issues and dimension of governance, the system of election, and also the organizational culture so that all mindsets are valued. <laughs> and um, then the last pillar is also some kind of um, ensuring that there is some kind of scrutiny because it's one thing to say or report that you're doing things. It's another to really be able to look at what's, what is being done from a kind of neutral perspective and not uh, only to raise penalties or whatever, but also to share the good practice, to understand what is working in one organization or one context and what can be transferable in another one. So that's it. That's some key um, elements of change that we are trying to bring. Easy to put on words, uh, easy to conceptualize. Maybe easy might not be the words, but definitely easier than then to implement. I definitely have a lot of appreciation for the work that you and so many other people are doing, because like you said, there's so many different elements to it. Something that really stuck out to me that you said was the idea of the fact that it's a win-win. You know, um, I've been thinking a lot about like the power structures that exist and how the people in power are the people that get to make the decisions about who gets more power. Yeah. And I think a lot of 
the issues in society today come from the people in power believing that it is a zero-sum game that if other people are elevated then they will do something but I think it's really important that we get the message across somehow who knows how <laughs> that it's not that diversity can only be a good thing I, I agree 100% with you and and to try to bring some even more some positivity in there I think it also starts from us with us um, it's it's kind of easy or um, to say it's the people in power which I, I agree and that's what we are working on and that's also why we use the concept of empowerment because there is the power in there when we deal with governance that's the idea of the distribution of power and etc but we shall not forget that we all have power in us and it's it's kind of easy also in times of pandemic when we think that our governments are not doing well uh, guys you're you're lucky to be in new zealand uh, at least it, it seems from us and it, it's it would be a kind of a, another topic of discussion but from the rest of the world it seems like a great leadership that you do have um at the top of the country what i mean here with the it's easy to say that um, the problems that we are facing is from elsewhere or from the power or etc but i think the real shift gonna come when we all um assess that we can, we can and we need to start from ourselves and um the win-win can only come if we really believe in it and it's some small um, butterfly effect or etc it's not going to change from one day to another uh, also when we deal with governance and and power making and etc but if we really think this is the problem then why not stepping up for election i i just think it's important that we keep in mind that first the power is coming from us yeah i mean the systems are just people isn't it the system is <laughs> just yeah. people doing their thing and yeah I really like how how you framed it as it starts with individual change because <laughs> systems are just individuals doing their own thinking and doing what they think is best yeah I really like that and we tend to say that changing the system is hard right but I think it's even harder to change ourselves like it requires a lot of um, work introspection and it's never easy but what is in our in our power or circle of influence is actually what we can do with ourselves and the way we interact with others. Yeah, absolutely. So the the final closing question is another one that we have been asking each of our guests. And the question is, what are your hopes for the future in five years, 10 years, 15? Um, first is that this world is still here. <laughs> that may sound that may sound pessimistic but that's uh, what i mean and not as it is right now but the planet earth still here with us being able to live on it that's my hope fingers crossed <laughs> yeah um that's a huge one but i think we need to realize as a community that there's something to do on it um and then not it's not only sport it's actually um making sure that everyone has a light of hope in their life wherever it comes from and it may take a bit more than five years but i'm hoping to light as many candles as possible and all together we can make it 
That's such a lovely sentiment. I love that so much. Lighting as many candles as possible. And I think that, you know, the work you're doing will light so many candles. And it has been absolutely incredible to talk to you and to hear your mission and your experience and to to have a conversation with someone that is chipping away at trying to make the world a little bit better all the way from the other side of the world. So thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure. Um, it also helped me to frame the journey I have been on because um, just as Tiki was mentioning, we are normal people here. I don't know how it sounds <laughs> when people will be listening to it, um, but uh, just because of what you were mentioning, Kate, uh, I am a very normal person and um, that's how I feel, but in the, be in the good way. Uh, for a few years, I would have said I'm very normal or no, actually, I always felt like I was not belonging there, so I was abnormal. But that's what I mean is that we can all do something. It's about finding out what is it we want to do, and and then the how can change from um, uh, from years from one year to another. But what is important to to us and and this as human being, whoever we are, we can we can work on it. So it was a pleasure to speak with you as a super normal person. And I'm saying it with a big smile. It's not <laughs> what I mean is it's a pleasure um, to exchange across the world because, gosh, I'm speaking to someone based in New Zealand. That's so cool. <laughs> and yeah, just thanks a lot for the energy and the opportunity. Awesome. From one normal person to another. Thank you. <laughs> We're going to change the world. <laughs> the Conversation Collective. We hope you loved this episode of The Conversation Collective. Don't forget to give us a rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. We want to say a big thank you and high fives to the Centre for Sport, Peace and Society at the University of Tennessee, whose Empower Women Through Sports follow-on grant has brought this podcast series to life. Our thanks also go to the New Zealand Commission for UNESCO for supporting this project empowering these conversations. Nga mihi nui. See you, See you next time! time.